Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Guys, listen, this is the Resurrection Sunday. This is when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this matters. And what we're celebrating today is the most important event in human history. I can personalize it for you. It's the most important event in your history. The resurrection of Jesus is what everything is built on. If it didn't happen, then let's get out of here. But it didn't. And I believe God wants you today to see and to understand the significance of this event in a way that maybe you've never seen it before. This event that we're going to look at is actually not a singular event. So many times we think we kind of isolate it. We Oh, it's a singular event. It is not. It is a fulfillment of God's epic plan for the nations and for the world and my friend for you. It's a fulfillment of God's purposes. And I believe that God wants all of us to see and experience the magnitude of this resurrection in a way that we never have, but also to understand the magnitude of his commitment and his love for you. What you need to know today, what you must understand today, no matter if you've known God for a long time or you don't know him today. God's love for you just didn't start when you were born. God's love for you just didn't start when you were in your mother's womb. God began a plan. God saw you before you were ever born. He saw you, he loved you, and he began to put a plan together to reach you and to save you long before you were ever born. Because he loves you. So often we think, you know, God cares for, for other people. God cares for that person or God loves that person. Or God wants to be close to someone else somewhere else. And we don't see him as a personal, loving, caring, under, understanding God to us. We think he's focused on every, in everyone else except for us. The truth is this, he is focused on all of the world, but you must understand he is simultaneously fully focused on you. He loves you, he sees you. He knows your name, he knows the, the hairs on your head. He knows what you're going through today. He knows why, why you are here today. He knows everything about you. And his plan for you just didn't start on this earth. It started in his heart and in his mind because he loves you. He wants to rescue you. He wants to reach you. This is so important for us to understand. And so the first mention, and I'm going to walk through some things today that are going to be a little unconventional. But the first mention of, of God's plan and his thoughts for you came in the Garden of Eden. In the book of Genesis, when humanity rejects God, when they sold their soul to the enemies of God. And when that happened, it caused all of humanity, including you, including your spouse, including your friends, 
including your sweet two-year-old daughter, which you're like, well, I know she's got problems, but it plunged all of us into sin. And it enslaved you, enslaved you under the curse of sin. What that means, friends, is just listen to this for a moment. What that means is that you were born a victim of sin without any defense, nothing within your power to get out from underneath the chokehold of your lostness and nothing to bridge the gap of your separation from God. And so at the Garden of Eden, the sickness of sin entered the soul of mankind. It darkened our hearts, darkened our minds, darkened our relationships, darkened our emotions. And I want you to see today the joyous hope that we find today in Resurrection Sunday, that in that tragedy in the garden, and the tragedy of even what we see today, the curse of sin, God gives us a glimmer of hope but it's something that's yet to come. In the garden, he says something is coming. God says the Satan who now owns all humanity, this is what he says. He says, one day there will come someone to undo all that's been lost here. One day there will come someone to undo the, the slavery of mankind, to undo humanity's slavery that is bound and, and, and slavery to sin and to brokenness. And those who desire to be with God, those who try to fill their lives with everything, we search for significance, we search for peace. We think, this will make me happy, this will make me happy, this will really make me happy, this will satisfy my flesh. And at the end of it, after we've drank the cup of the world, we are empty, we are bankrupt. And in this moment, Jesus speaks of a solution to our condition. And he says this, that that's someone who's going to undo everything that has plagued mankind. Genesis 3.15, that he will crush your head. Speaking to Satan, speaking to the serpent, speaking to the curse of sin, and you will strike his heel. Yeah, you'll try to, you'll try to do something to him, but let me tell you something. He's going to crush your head. He's going to undo everything that sin has done in the world and for humanity. So friends, God's message from the beginning one day, humankind will no longer be under the curse of sin, the weight of sin, no longer be under the power of the devil. In other words, one day, our deliverance is coming. It's coming. From the garden, humanity gets darker. But humanity and their brokenness still has a purpose, just like we have a purpose today. God still loves them, but they're still under the chokehold of sin, still under the, the chokehold of slavery from the enemy. And so humanity continues to fall deeper into sin. And we find in the scriptures a God who deeply loves humanity. And he continues to watch over humanity as we read in the Bible. But that humanity, his creation, continues to reject him over and over, time and time again. They reject him. And the spiritual, spiritual enemies of God have humanity hostage. But here's what I love about 
God. God never gives up on humanity. And this is what you need to know for your life today, regardless what you're facing. God never, ever, ever will give up on you. But God doesn't give up. And as time goes on, humanity throughout the story of God in Scripture, again, rejects God, turns away from God. Humanity seeks to, to, to have its own glory, seeks to use God for their own purposes. And though we are made in the image of God, we find humanity time and time again wanting to now make, instead of them walking out the image that they've been made and they in turn want to make God in their own image. They want God to be what they want. They want God to say what they want to say. They want the Bible to say what they want it to say. And they make God into their image. And they rebel from God. Still happens today. Still happening today. So humanity rejects God in a tragic story of the scriptures. And God who's committed to them, he won't violate their free will. Often people say, why does evil happen in the world? Because God will not violate a person's free will. He's bound himself to what he created and placed in the hearts of mankind. And so they don't, they don't want him anymore. In the scriptures, it says that they rejected him. So God gives them what they wanted. And he gave them independence from him. We're talking of the nations of the world. We're talking the large epic story of humankind that we are all a part of. Isaiah writes about humankind. He says, we all like, street, like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has gone our own way. There's something in our humanity, the curse of sin on us, that says, I don't need you, God. I can do my own thing. And this happens in this epic story. But God has not forgotten as we leave the garden, hasn't forgotten about his promise, hasn't forgotten about the one who would crush the curse of sin for humanity. And hear me today, regardless of what you think, regardless of what you feel, God has not forgotten about you. It's not in his nature to forget about you. It's in his nature to seek you, to find you, to love you, to pursue you. And when you go, no, God, God's, God doesn't know where I am. He's like, yes, I do. You're right here and I'm with you. It's the lie of the enemy that says God's forgotten you. That's, he doesn't do that and he never has. Listen to me today and this is the the direction of this message. God was thinking about you long before you ever had a thought. Long before your parents ever had a thought. Long before your grandparents ever had a thought. God was thinking about you. And God being committed to you and committed to the world, continues to work the promise that we heard in the garden that he will undo the curse of sin. And his plan to crush sin and his plan to crush the curse of it and the weight of it, the curse over us to bring us out from under the chokehold of Satan into the safety of himself. And we see the beginning of this plan, the enacting of this plan to fulfill the promise from the, from the garden, to crush the curse of sin, to set us free, that, that which is suffocating us, that which is limiting us, us, that which is holding us, he sought out, he enacts a plan. And so we see this plan begin to unfold 
Not just when Jesus showed up 2,000 years ago. Yes, that's what we're celebrating today, but we see this plan show up that, that it's actually not 2,000 years ago. I want you to hear, it was actually, we see, not only from the garden, we see this incredible event 4,000 years ago. 2,000 years before Jesus ever showed up. Genesis 12. God says, I'm going to do something to save mankind. All of mankind is corrupt, and I'm going I'm to bring forth myself a people. And through that people, I'm going to do something that's going to restore everyone back to the blessing that I have for him. God calls a man named Abram. And the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. In you, everybody say, in you. All the families, say all the families. So friends, that's your family, that's you. Something that happens here is going to bless you. All the families of the earth will be blessed. This is God telling Abram something about your bloodline is going to impact. Something about your bloodline is going to be connected to, to what was said in the garden. The, the crushing of the head of sin and the curse of sin and Satan. Something about Abram is going to impact all of the world. God later meets again with Abraham and tells him, you're going to have a son Tells him, from that son, his descendants will be as many as the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea. And I remind you again, when God tells Abraham this, when he tells him this, the families of the earth at that moment, at that time, were lost. They were under demonic rule. And so it is through Abraham's offspring that those families would somehow be blessed. God's enacting a plan. Someone is going to come to, to restore, to forgive, to heal, to set free. Someone is coming. And so what is the purpose of all of this? Shouldn't you be talking about Jesus today, Jason? Yes. But there's an epic plan here. You need to understand this is God's heart. This is God's purpose. And that purpose and that heart has existed before you long ever existed. I believe that God wants to show you something today that will bolster your confidence in the word of God, also bolster your confidence in the resurrection and give you confidence in God's love and commitment to you that he is a God that never stopped. He's a God that never pulled back. He was a God who never allowed even you rejecting him to keep him from pursuing you. So back to Abraham. So after much trouble and trials and conflict, finally Abraham's promise is born. He has a son and a son that he named Isaac. And this is the one of whom later his descendants would be called the Jews and live in a land called Israel that's given to them by God. And it's from that bloodline, from Isaac's bloodline, that Jesus, the son of God, comes through it. You need to understand all of this is connected back to the promise that something's going to undo the curse of sin. And so Abraham is looking ahead to the promise. He doesn't know it. He doesn't see it. It's not manifested before him. It's actually the fulfillment of the promise is 2,000 years away. So today I want you to understand these two positions. That you have Abraham who's looking to the cross to, the, to salvation, to Jesus, and you have us who on the other side is looking back to it. So you have these positions, looking back to the promise, 
but looking further also back to Abraham. We have the advantage we can look back to the cross and then look back in the rest of Scripture and see what was God doing. Something for you to understand that God knew you before you were born. God knew your name. God knew the decisions you would make. God knew the pain that you might be in right now. God sees it all. God is a God, God that sees the, the, the end from the beginning. And in his plan, though, he is speaking to us in this incredible story of God's love and purpose for you. So Abraham's, Abraham's looking ahead. We're looking back. And we look back further to see God's witness of what God's going to do to save you. What's God going to do to redeem you, to, to restore you, to bring you back into relationship with him? And God's commitment and love for us today is not just at the cross. It's not just, it just didn't start at the cross. It just didn't begin at the cross. God's plan to save you has been in the works all along. This is the epic plan of God. I love epic stuff. I like things that, that are epic and they just smack you in the face and you go, wow, I didn't see that. I want you to get smacked in the face today. It's my heart. So we look back on the details of leading up to the cross. The details of God's call to Abram that through you, the nations will be blessed. Through you, somehow the curse of sin will be undone. And so the details of the plan of God that was hidden to Abraham today is laid open for us to see. The purpose of this is for us to experience and see God's love for us and to us. Which brings us to our text today, which is a very unconventional Resurrection Sunday text. And the event is 2,000 years ago of the text that we're reading. Before the cross, before the resurrection, before what we're celebrating today, we are looking back to the cross, 2,000 years after the cross and the resurrection in which we are going to look past the cross to Genesis chapter 22. Now what I'm about to read is shocking. It's something that actually the Bible's been ridiculed over and actually God's been ridiculed over it because in this passage, God asked Abraham to participate in human sacrifice. It's shocking. Unless you, unless you see the story of God, this is, you're going to be like, see, God's a God of demands human sacrifice. No, he was making a point. He actually forbids human sacrifice. God's perfect plan to make his way to you, to save you so that you can be in his family. So the filter of what we read today is the cross of Jesus Christ, what we're celebrating today. Here is Abraham. He has the promise. He has the son Isaac. Everything rides on Isaac. Every promise rides on Isaac. The nations of the world are corrupt. They are filthy. They are, they are tumbling into more darkness and more injustice and more perversion and more pain and more death and more violence. But there's this portion that God selected to bring forth that which would set the nations free and set you free. So we come 
Abraham has Isaac. Listen, it's all, all on Isaac, all of it. Isaac's promise, Jesus, the whole thing. So Abraham, don't drop Isaac when he's a baby. It all matters. It's all hinges on this guy. So Genesis chapter 22, you guys with me? Say, I'm with you. All right, good. God tested Abraham and said to Abraham, and he said, here I am. So God called Abraham and said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering, as one on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. This is shocking. Isaac was the son of the promise. Isaac is our promise in him. Somehow we're going to be blessed through him. And so it comes now to the offspring of Abraham. Somehow Isaac is connected to what's going to flip the script on the curse of sin. Somehow that will come to the bloodline of Isaac and bless the world. But for us looking back through the filter of the cross, there is something happening right here. I want you to catch it. God is setting a trajectory. Now listen, you're going to see this. It's going to be God's epic plan. But right now, God is setting a trajectory of his promise. He's prophetically speaking of what's to come. This in Genesis 22 is a, it's, it's a 3D prophecy of the one who's going to fulfill Abraham's promise, which is Jesus, which we are celebrating today. And so I want to look at Genesis 22 just for a moment. What is, what's happening here? It says that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, look, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. I want you to note here that this is the first son of the promise. Somewhere through this son of the promise is going to, is going to come another one of the promise that's actually going to fulfill everything. But here the first call is kill your son, Abraham. Offer him on the mountain. Sacrifice him. Isaac is called the only son. Abraham, the one you love. Now go kill him. I want you to see the fulfillment of what God is doing here. I want you to look at the fulfillment of this event that is fulfilled in what we're celebrating today in Jesus. That 2,000 years later after this event, Jesus is referred to all throughout Scripture from God who spoke from heaven. He is referred to as the one and only Son. John 1.14 says, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace. John 3.16, which all of us know, for God so loved the world that he gave, look at this, his one and only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So there's some connection here. There's some, now we look back past the cross. Here we have Abraham who, who, who is asked to go and sacrifice his son on an altar on, on Mount Moriah. And here we have the cross of Jesus Christ. Here we have a one and only son, the first son of the promise that's going to deliver us and save us. And at the cross we have now the one and only son who did come to save us and who did deliver us. God's telling a story here. God's helping you see that this isn't just a, a thought in his mind. You know what, I'll just send my son. 
You know what, I'll just, we'll just do a cross thing and it'll all, that way we can, no, 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 this is God's purpose and plan. And you need to know something, God has seen you from the beginning of time. He has seen you. And he has made a plan to reach you. In this epic story of Genesis 22, we see God tells Abraham, I want you to go to the land of Moriah. Go to the land of Moriah. I want you to see this today. I want you to understand this today. The place of Moriah is the place of modern day Jerusalem. 2,000 years earlier, there's a one and only son on an altar. There's a journey to Mount Moriah. And God says, Abraham, when you get there, offer him Isaac there as a burnt offering. In other words, Isaac, is, this burnt offering means he's going to be consumed completely. On the mountain that I tell you. So I want to continue to the fulfillment of this Genesis 22. God's plan, we fast forward from, from the event of Genesis 22. We fast forward. 2,000 years from this passage. And we find Jesus in Jerusalem, Jesus the promise to undo all that the curse of sin has, has, has brought upon mankind. And we find Jesus on a mount called Moriah from the bloodline of Isaac. And we find this Jesus in Jerusalem being offered up as a sacrifice and being totally consumed by death on the same mountain that Abraham was bringing Isaac. Let's go back to Genesis 22. So Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey and he took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place in which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. He took it in his hand, the fire. He took in his hands the fire and the knife. And they both walked up, went together. I want you to notice something here. I want you to notice that when they come to the place when Jesus, excuse me, that Isaac would be sacrificed, what is laid upon Isaac is that which he would die upon. And they begin to walk. Isaac's carrying the wood. Abraham's carrying the knife and the fire. What that means is that he, it could have been fire in a, in, a, in a clay pot to keep coals going. We, I, we don't know, but it is a fire. And the fire in Scripture represents judgment and the knife represents death. And the wood represents the altar. And after God spoke to Abraham, he immediately obeyed. Now I want you to, want you to know this. The scripture says in Genesis 22, which is, which is 2,000 years before the cross, says that it took them three days. See any connection there? It took them three days. The moment Abraham obeyed Isaac, 
excuse me, obeyed God. And God said, go sacrifice your son Isaac, the one of the promise. He said, yes, he obeyed. The moment he obeyed it, in his heart, and his mind, Isaac was as good as dead. He was going to obey God. And for three days, they, they walked to the place that Abraham would sacrifice him. For three days, Isaac was already dead. For three days, listen, Abraham didn't start walking to the, to the place to sacrifice Isaac thinking, I don't know if I'm going to do this or not. He had already done it in his heart. He had obeyed God. And you see the fulfillment of this aspect of, of the first son of the promise being fulfilled and, and the son of the promise is that we know that Jesus was dead in the tomb for how many days? For three days until the resurrection. Remember, this is to draw a picture for us of what is to come. This, this passage is to draw a picture of what is coming, the hope of the world, for us to look back and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. God has loved me and saw me and believed in me and loved me from way back when. When you, when you didn't even exist, he saw you and he was preparing a plan. What God is doing is connecting these pieces so that we can see the fulfillment. So that when, we, when humanity can read these passages, they go, oh, that's Jesus. Oh, wait, that's Jesus. Through the Old Testament, oh, that's Jesus. And then we get overwhelmed with the sense that God has had me in his heart all along. In this passage in Genesis 22, Abraham, Abraham tells the young men to stay with the donkey and look at, look at what he says. We will come again to you. So Abraham was planning on sacrificing Isaac. He also knew his, the promise of the offspring was through the son. So he also concluded in his heart that, that God would resurrect this child, this promise. So what later, what he says in Hebrews is that whether, all he knew is this, I'm coming back with my boy. All he knew was this, this boy, he may die, but he will be resurrected. In Genesis 22, they go on a journey. Isaac's carrying that which he will be sacrificed on, or supposed to be. For three days, Isaac is dead in Abraham's heart. But also what was happening in Abraham's heart is that my one and only son, he will come back to me. He will be resurrected. Let's go 2,000 years later from, from this altar to the cross. We know Jesus is dead for three days. And this is what we celebrate today. On the third day, he was resurrected and he kicked death, hell, and the grave, and the devil in the teeth. <laughs> Friends, listen, God has been making plans for you to be his child long before you would ever know Back to Abraham. Abraham took the, the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, which I've already mentioned. So again, that which Isaac would be sacrificed on, he carries. Now catch this. He carries it up Mount Moriah himself. It's very specific. He carried it himself. 
From this altar of Abraham and Isaac, we look to the cross. From this altar of Isaac being, being the one in which the person would come that God promised who would set the world free. We look forward to Jesus. We see the wooden cross that was placed upon Jesus. And he carried the altar of wood in which he would be sacrificed on. Where did he carry it? He carried it up Mount Moriah on his way to Golgotha, on his way to Calvary. This is the second, this is the, the son of the promise. The bloodline of the first Isaac is now fulfilled in Jesus Christ who is walking the same road, being brought to the same place. God must be saying something here, huh? Back to Abraham. Verse 7, and Isaac said to his father. Now look at this. They're on the way there. Isaac's carrying the wood. Abraham's got the knife and the fire. And Isaac looks around and he says, look, look at this language. My father, he says. Exclamation point. This is a, this is a, he is, this is a, um, in the Hebrew, he's concerned. There's a confusion. There's a, there's a bit of a nervousness. My father, Abraham, here I am. He said, behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb? Where's the lamb? Isaac is confused. He cries out, my father. Looking to Jesus 2,000 years later, Jesus on the cross, at the moment that he became separated from God because of our sin, he cries out, my God, my God. My father, a moment of anguish, a moment of concern. Back to Abraham. After Isaac's question, Abraham says this, God will provide for himself. Look, 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 God will provide for himself, the lamb. Everybody say the lamb. For a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. So God will provide for himself a lamb for the sacrifice. Fast forward 2,000 years when Jesus shows up on the scene as the promised one from this altar to now to Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. John the Baptist sees Jesus and he declares, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When they came back to the place, which God had told him back to Abraham. Abraham built an altar there, laid the wood in order, and look, he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now listen, we don't know how old Isaac was. And many times we picture him as just a little boy, just someone like, it, that almost as though Abraham would have to carry him on his shoulders up the mountain, but Isaac carried the wood up a mountain. He's a young man. Many scholars believe he's a late teenager, maybe even early 20s. They walk up the mountain. And Abraham binds him. Here's a young 20-year-old. He could have resisted his father. He could have said, no, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. I don't think so, pops. But he doesn't. He willingly allows his father to bind him. 
And he willingly allows his father to place him on the wooden altar. Looking ahead to the cross, leaving this altar and moving to the cross. We see Jesus on the cross, the only Son of God. We hear Jesus make this statement that no one takes my life. I lay it down willingly. We hear Jesus say, me and the Father are one. We hear Jesus say, I do whatever the Father says. You, what, 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 is, what picture is this? We, we have a picture of Jesus willingly being bound, placed on the altar, not resisting. Back to Genesis 22, then Abraham reached out his hand. He took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him, Abraham. And he goes, here I am. Do not lay your hand on the boy. Or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Seeing that you have not withheld your son your only son for me. So the picture has been made. We get it. The picture's been made. God has made the picture. And when it comes to sacrifice, he goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, picture's done. I don't want you to kill him. I'm making a point. Because what I'm going to do through this boy It's not going to be your only son. It's going to be mine. And Abraham, after he was told to stop, lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram. I want you to catch this. Stay with me here. There was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of. Everybody say instead of. Instead of his son. So in this moment, God provides a ram instead of Isaac. And so here we have a substitution. We have a substitution. The ram substituted Isaac. Isaac's supposed to be on the altar, but now the ram is the substitute. Looking ahead, leaving this altar and moving to the cross, to Jesus, we know that Jesus became our substitute. We know that He stood in our place, and he stood in your place and my place and the place of the nations. And we know that this, that everybody is saved who comes through God, through their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. But we come with the understanding that Jesus was our substitute. We come with the understanding, the punishment that I deserve, that I should have been on the cross, that I should have died for my own sins, that I should have been succumbed to my own rebellion, that he himself took our place and received the punishment that we deserved. He was our substitute. Verse 14, back to Abraham. So Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. And now Moses is writing this in the book of Genesis and then he adds a little commentary. 
And on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided, as it's called also to this day. I want you to note for a second, hear this. He named the place the Lord will provide. Not the Lord did, or the Lord has, but the Lord will. The Lord will provide. This is very interesting. Before I get to that, I want you to to also note that Abraham said to Isaac, on their way up, remember, Isaac goes, hey, pops, what's going on? He says, don't worry, the Lord will provide a lamb. But in this moment, it's not a lamb, is it? It's a ram. They're different. Why? It's the picture God's painting for you. Because it's not time for the lamb yet. It's not time for the lamb to carry that which he will be sacrificed on up Mount Moriah to this place. It's not time. But there is a day that's coming. In other words, the Lord will provide what Abraham said. He named the place the Lord will provide. When? In the future sometime. I don't know. But there is coming a lamb. A day is coming on this mountain, on this mountain that Abraham was at. That from the bloodline of the son of the promise, Isaac, which all of the nations will be blessed, that another son would carry his own wooden altar up the hill, would be bound and lay his own life down and cooperate for a purpose, him and the father together. That he would be consumed with our sin. He would be consumed with our failures. He'd be consumed with our pain. He'd be consumed. And the stripes on his back would pay for our healing. The nails in his hands would be for your deliverance. And he willingly lays himself out on the wooden altar that he carried himself as a substitute for you. Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. He will provide his lamb. That's what the scripture says in Genesis 22. A lamb from himself, for himself. It should be mind-blowing that the purposes of God have been set into place to save you, to rescue you. And it is also on this place that God the Father, not Abraham the Father, God the Father would give and provide this lamb, his one and only son. And the blood would be for, for the forgiveness of you and me. Friends, today we celebrate the day that the Lord did provide. He did provide. And I end with this. God has had his eye on you way before you could ever imagine. God has been watching you. He's been working in your life just like God worked 
from this place to the cross of Jesus Christ, just as God gave us the picture and types and shadows of what is to come, but he didn't demand the sacrifice of Isaac. He said, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I will provide for you at this moment, but I will provide a lamb at the right moment. At the fullness of time, Jesus came. He came to bear your, your sin, your, the weight, your pain, your heartbrokenness, your betrayal that many of you have faced throughout relationships or a marriage or whatever it may be. You walk through fear, you walk through doubt, you walk through all of this. He came to be the lamb for you. That's what resurrection is about. It's about that he came and it's at that moment at the cross that he paid the penalty, he paid the price, he bore our sorrows and then he died. The sacrifice was laid, but friends, he went into the grave and in the grave, we find for three days that he was there. For three days, he was stripping the enemy of his power over you. For three days, he had paved the way for you to walk and is in that grave for three days. But I'll tell you this, on the third day, he stepped out of the grave for a purpose, for a reason that was because he represented you and by your faith in him, by your faith in what he did on the cross, by his faith, you will experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. You will be set free from your sin. You'll be set free from your guilt and shame. But as he, as he broke out of that tomb, you will also and have also been set free from death because death, hell, and the grave, he swallowed it completely so you wouldn't have to. And he made us children of God. And as Galatians 3.16 says, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say to the seeds, meaning many, but to your seed, meaning one person, Christ. Today we remember his sacrifice. We celebrate he broke the curse. We celebrate that he was the Lamb of God that was actually slain before the foundation of time. We see a picture of it in Genesis 22. The Son of God, we see him in the tomb for three days. The Son of God raised to life. And today we have victory because he won the victory for us. That's why today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. That the price has been paid the penalty has been totally consumed and paid. The punishment you deserve, he took it. And God has, been, has kept his eye on you way before you ever thought. And friends, I want you to see something today. He sees you today. And he extends his invitation to you. Again, God is bound to our free will, but he extends his invitation to you. Will you put your trust in me that I took your sin, that I took 
your pain? Will you allow the story of, I, of Isaac and Abraham to see that this isn't just some, some idea that I thought of one day that I have been watching you, I've been following you, I've been making a way for you to be free and to be set free from your sin, to deliver you from your mistakes. And when you fail, I'm there for you. Will you allow me to cleanse you and give you victory in your life? That's the message of Resurrection Sunday. He stands and he offers. And we can put our trust in him or we can reject him. He is our peace. And he was your sacrifice. If we can, let's bow our heads today. If you're here today and you would say that you do not know Jesus, and you want to give your life to him, you want to commit your life to him, if you're here today and you want to put your faith in what he did for you and what he is going to do in your life and you want to walk in the resurrection power of Jesus, nobody's looking around. If that's you today, raise your hand right now where you are. Amen, 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 amen. Come on, hold your hands up. Nobody's looking. Hold them up. This is your moment. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Bless you. Bless you. You can put your hands down. God bless you. Scripture says that if you put your faith and trust in him, that you will be saved. But there's a prayer that you can pray today that we're all going to pray together. If you pray it with all of your heart, just as an acknowledgement that you are agreeing with what God has done, you will be saved. Let's pray today. Say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead. From this moment forward, I belong to you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. And thank you for raising from the dead. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand today? Praise God. Amen. Listen, if you gave your life to Jesus today, right in front of you is a QR code. You can scan that. Or if you want information about our church, you can do the same. Everything is on there. But if you gave your life to Jesus, we want to help you on your journey. If you're interested in being a part of growing and discipleship, you can do that as well. If we can, let's all stand to our feet. Hey, guys, happy Resurrection Day. Come on, right? It's a good day. Listen, if you can, I'd love to pray for you. If you'd be open, just lift your hands to the Lord. Father, I bless your people in Jesus' name. May they leave here with a fresh understanding of your epic heart and desire to know them and to love them. May you walk before them. May you reveal your power and resurrection spirit is living inside of them so that they can go and be everything that you've called them to be. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen and amen. God bless you.